Let's do it. adventure as the wheels go round and round on a short bus and I am one of your co-hosts Mr. Rock and Roll Over Rick Morgan and I'm here with my brother Mr. God of Thunder what's up Johnny Krug the cat man <laughs> no not much dude <laughs> easy cat man they are serious <laughs> yeah, not much. and along for the ride Special guest, Mr. Rock and Roll All Night and Party Every Day, Mr. Joseph Henson. What's up, brother? Oh, not a whole lot. This uh, this movie made me feel so unholy. <laughs> <laughs> unholy! <laughs> oh, so yeah, this is uh, this is one that I wanted to do uh, because. It's one of those love-hate movies. I know this movie is terrible, but it's one of those events that happens when you're a kid. And even though you had your, hold your head in shame, I still kind of love this movie because it is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Man. And we are talking about Kiss Beats the Phantom. Or if you're an old OG, Kiss Beats the Phantom of the Park. <laughs> you know, this, oh. this movie... Uh, I had never seen it before watching it this time, but it, it felt like, and you you guys know a lot of the details in the background on this, but it felt like they were trying, you know, all the parents thought Kiss was this evil rock band, and it felt like oh, yeah. they put together this movie to say, look, these guys are completely family friendly. <laughs> well, and like I said, there's a lot to talk about in this movie, but... First and foremost, here's here's kind of what happened. Yeah, you kind of had this bad karma thing going on with, you know, parents saying they were knights in Satan service going around. But the other side of it is about, I don't know, a year before, they had released, uh, Marvel had released the Kiss comics, where Kiss had superhero powers. Like hearing from their and, eye? Well, yeah, I mean, they, they fought Doctor Doom. I mean, they were legit you know, superheroes in the Marvel universe. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. I mean, and, and Johnny, I mean, to find one of those original comics is, like, unreal what it's worth. Because uh, it was printed in Kiss Blood. <laughs> <laughs> they actually drew some blood and, and put it supposedly in the, the red ink. So when you bought a copy, you had some of their blood mixed in the red ink. Or I mean, there was a big promotion thing. Uh, you can't even find those comics. They've reissued them and... There was two of them, and they combined them together. But that was such a big hit. I guess that's what really started the idea of this movie. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. We've got to get into this in a little bit. But 
let's talk about some other stuff. So, special guest, Joseph, man, tell us tell us what's going on in your world, man. Oh, not a, uh, you know, not a whole lot outside of the hysteria continues. Um, I'm pretty much doing that full time. We uh, just released. I think it was Terror Night. I mean, these episodes kind of bleed together, but it was Terror Night from 1987. Uh, we got 10 to Midnight coming out in a week or so. Ooh, nice. Yeah, um, we got a few commentaries uh, in the bag for 88 Films, Vinegar Syndrome, and Arrow. Um, other than that, I mean, that's pretty much all I do now. So, Man, so there you go, folks. Short bus didn't hit the high time. We're, we got a celebrity on the show, yo. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's been a good buddy for quite a while, and, and uh, we have always enjoyed having him on. And, man, it's awesome that things are doing so well for you and the guys. Yeah, it's been 10 years. I mean, we, we just had our 10th year anniversary as well wow. um, at the end of January. So it took 10 years, but, yeah, it's it's crazy. Wow. Well, what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a short break. And, a short break. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to... I wish I could do a good brack. That'd be all right. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with Kiss Meets the Phantom, yo. <laughs> Get out of the way. All I know is today's October the 31st. 31 backwards is 13. It's Friday. It's Halloween. It's the 13th anniversary of the lawnmower killings. It's a crazy loose. It's prom night. Hi, this is Tracy Savage, Debbie from Friday the 13th, Part 3. For the best podcast ever on old slasher movies, be sure you find Hysteria Continues. You will be glad you did. And hey, stay out of Crystal Lake, okay? Every episode, we celebrate a classic slasher movie, such as Friday the 13th, Halloween, My Bloody Valentine, Happy Birthday to Me, and uh, Crazy Fat Ethel 2. The Hysteria continues, bringing Slash with Panache since 2011. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and all good podcatchers. Now for our feature presentation. All right, and we're back with Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park from 1978. When you think 1978, you don't think movies like Halloween. You think movies like Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, yo. Okay. (laughs) The IMDb for this is a 4.8, which, man, that is in, in... when you compare that, it's to, like four point seven too high. Oh, uh, dude! I was just gonna say <laughs> when you put this up to next to things we've done on short bus in the past, like I feel like this is this isn't as good as some stuff we've done, <laughs> and some and some of those movies have gotten way lower scores. Um, but <laughs> this movie it is directed by Gordon Hessler, who did Scream and Scream Again with Vincent Price and Cry of the Banshee, also. Um, yeah. It's, it's crazy because there that's something I'll talk about later in this movie, but the villain in this, man, could have been so much more if they had gotten somebody like Vincent Price. <laughs> oh, but this movie's also, it's written by two different guys, by uh, 
Don Bru we'll see. Don Bidet, which <laughs> Okay. There you go. <laughs> and Jan Michael Sherman. I almost said Jan Michael Vincent. Um, and they're known for movies like Slithus and Too Hot to Handle, which was um from what I read, Too Hot to Handle is some kind of like sexy adventurer movie. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> the cast of this movie is Kiss, the rock band, and um, Anthony Zerbe. Is that how you say that? Yeah. And the guy played uh, Abner Devereaux. Yeah. Yep. And then Carmine Caridi. Um, I didn't really know anybody in this movie, but when I looked him up, I'd, oh, I guess really? I'd seen them in every. I mean, you know, well, you didn't recognize Brian James as the one of the security guards. Was that? Re- <laughs> yeah. Was he really in this? Yeah. You didn't yeah. notice him. No. He's like, he's going, it was him or his twin. Oh, dude, yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah, I'm looking at, yeah, right there, Brian James. He usually stands out, too, because he kind of looks like a, a thumb that got, you know, uh, involved in a machinery accident in his face. <laughs> <laughs> well, the guy that plays Devereaux has been in a ton of stuff, and you're too... Teenage supposed actors were both in soap operas at this time, so they were kind of a hot commodity. Everybody knew who they were, so that was kind of the draw. There is the ones that could actually act. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the main actress in this, she had like she had some good chops when it came to screaming and stuff like that. Um, but it's funny when you look a lot of these people up, like her. I mean, they have soap opera stuff, but like in the first two or three credits, it shows this. So you're like, ooh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. But dude, I mean, again, I mean, and I, I'm defending it because, I guess because of the time, but this thing was so huge when it came out, and yeah, it is not good. And like I said, the, Kiss had a, a thing where if you worked for them, you couldn't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> you were not allowed to talk about the movie. I mean, That's so awesome. yeah, they, they did not like the idea at all. But when this thing came out, like I said, I mean, I, I skipped Halloween parties and everything to stay home and watch this. And it was the most watched television event in almost a decade. So this thing, <laughs> it's it screened on Halloween or? It screened like a couple of days before. But, uh, I mean, it was it was an event. I mean, there was magazines and stuff out, you know, put out before. And just like you do any of your Star Wars and stuff, you know, you get your... You know, magazines that come out beforehand explaining stuff and all that. It was a big deal. Speaking of they Star Wars, big... this is this is basically yeah. the equivalent of the Christmas special. <laughs> it's pretty close. <laughs> so, for you folks that have never seen this, I'll give you a little backstory. Kiss being the hot commodity that they were, they were approached. We, Johnny didn't say who produced this movie. He talked about who directed it, but it was produced by Joseph Barbera. That's right. Hanna Barbera did this movie. <laughs> oh, and it, it just what, it just it just definitely comes across as something Hanna Barbera would do. Oh yeah. Yeah. So when they when when the idea was sold to Kiss and their managers, they told them it's going to be like a Hard Day's Night, which is the, you know, incredible Beatles movie that came out. It was such a phenomenon for the, especially for Kiss because they were such Beatles fans. So they took that idea and said it's going to be a combination of that and Star Wars. <laughs> and <laughs> and somewhere it got lost. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's tons and tons of stories of the failure of this movie. But I think Johnny and I were talking back and forth, you know, while just talking about this movie. And 
once you realize that this is a Hanna-Barbera movie, all your background music, all your sound effects, everything is straight out of like Scooby-Doo cartoons. I mean, yeah, you and your your uh, your Hanna-Barbera childhood is ruined when you <laughs> when you learn that fact too. <laughs> Dude, but you know what's funny, and we'll get into the plot and stuff. But I mean, it plays out like Scooby Doo, man. Yeah, it does. Like it straight does. up. I mean, that's that's who it was made by. The and only thing it was missing was to... the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would have been great. But uh, the way after they agreed to do this, Hannah Burr, or whoever was in charge at the time, they sent a writer to go around with each member of KISS and just follow them around and capture their personalities so they could write skips based off of the way they reacted and talked. And Pete straight up told them, F (laughs) y'all, I ain't doing it because, you know, I got to go out back and do some heroin. (laughs) But uh, Ace could care less, and he knew he was being followed, so he just went around going, ah, ah, all the time. I kept expecting Ace... I kept expecting yeah. Ace Freely to go, my Grand Slam was supposed to be with sausage. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, But if you notice in the movie, he never really has, he has like two or three lines, but the rest of the time he just goes, eh. <laughs> I, that, I thought and that was, was an interesting choice of the writers. <laughs> just have well, a squawk that, like some kind of like dull pelican. That's a, Let's put it that's this way. Gene, it. Gene Simmons is the best actor of the four. Easily. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why he went on and had a somewhat career, right? But, uh, yeah, that's that's why Ace only goes, ah, in the whole movie. <laughs> Which is one of the funny qualities about it, right? Because they'll talk about something serious, he'll just go, ah! <laughs> Well, yeah, we'll get to that later. But, yeah, they're, like, interrogating him later, and he just squawks. <laughs> I feel like the director probably went home after shooting every night and looked his wife in the eye and was like, Honey, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just kill me now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and like I said, Pete, even when it came down to finish the movie, he wouldn't even show up to do overdubs or anything. So that's not Pete's voice in the whole movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> Pete sounds like he's got Demi Moore stuck in his throat. <laughs> I mean, he's got a super raspy voice, very heavy accent, and yeah, you know, that kind of messed with everybody's head because, you know, he was talking normal and they're like, wait a minute, that don't sound anything like Pete. <laughs> uh, and there's just, it just goes on and on. The The stunt double for Ace Frehley was a black guy and they didn't, they didn't cover his hands. They didn't cover his neck. I mean, you can tell. It's just like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird parallel there because, um, I'd mentioned off air how I thought, you know, I'm sure I'm not the only person who thinks this, but uh, I always thought Gene Simmons looked like Bill Duke, like the white version of Bill Duke. And then um, what's interesting, you bring that up because Bill Duke in Commando, he had a white stunt yeah. double for his fight with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So there's there you some, go. So there's some synchronicity for you. Well, you want to hear it something even, even funnier is when you messaged Bill Duke, some somehow my brain got that scrambled as David Duke. Oh God! <laughs> and I was like, "What? <laughs> like, isn't David Duke white?" <laughs> Joseph, it's amazing you say that because I remember me and my wife going to see Predator, which she was my girlfriend back then. But I, I saw this guy and I was like, "I said, Becky, I said that guy looks like a black Gene Simmons." <laughs> he does. I mean, he even talks like him. They have like the same yeah. voice, same mannerisms. Same it's crazy. eyes. The yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, very much so. But yeah, 
So yeah, I mean, and the guy that actually is the stunt double for for Gene is like some really old guy. So when you see him with the wig and stuff on, it's like it's almost like Benny Hill stepping in for Gene in the movie. I mean, it's really really obvious it's not Gene. <laughs> oh, dude, there's a scene where it's like a wire, like a a wire trick, yeah, yeah. and you could just tell it. it's an old dude. <laughs> That's it. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Uh, so, anyways, let's let's get on with this. Uh, yeah, we uh, we're at an amusement park, which is actually Magic Mountain, which was supposedly the biggest you know amusement park of its kind at the time. And uh, there's going to be a big Kiss concert there. Matter of fact, three of them in a row because you know you sell at an amusement park. <laughs> I like the intercoms like Kiss tonight, Kiss tonight, <laughs> Kiss. It's like, okay, who's playing tonight? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter that you've got, you know, st- statues of them everywhere, you know, as well, saying, you know, they're going to be there tonight. But, uh, but uh, you know, I get it. I- I've got a a buddy here that is the, uh, at one time he was the world champion banjo player, lives just down the road from me. And he used to have a, have a spot in Opryland, you know, which is the <laughs> the Tennessee amusement park. Uh, and uh, he kind of had his own spot there, so I can see where you know. Okay, you just uh, you get booked to to do these gigs, and you just do them because your management just got you this spot. So, you, Kiss in a lull for some reason got to play at Magic Mountain. <laughs> you never told me you were friends with Kermit the Frog. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> Why are there so many? <laughs> How do we get out of here? Yeah, it's back the way you came. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and we get to, you know, your typical, I mean, you got KISS fans coming to your amusement park, so you're going to get some rough and tumble people, right? I mean, that's what they're trying to portray here. If you're a KISS fan, you're a devil worshiper, right? I mean, that's kind of what we're saying. So, uh, we meet Sneed. You never get his real name, just Sneed, which is like the main security guard in the amusement park. And the guy just calls him all the time, ain't that right, Sneed? Let's go get him, Sneed. Hey, Sneed. It's like, what the heck? (laughs) Stop saying my name, please. (laughs) Right. Uh, He's like, we got to be careful because we got a riot on our hands in here. I'm like, dude, it's some kids building a pyramid. I mean, (laughs) you're going to bust these eight years old? (laughs) That was so weird. Like, I mean, the whole thing with, like, the the bikers messing with the kids building the pyramid. And they're like, we'll have none of that in our park. I'm like, you don't have a whole lot of anything in this park. (laughs) <laughs> it's like the the uh the three bikers they're like their their claim to troublemaking is like they 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 get up in people's face and they they can only be bought off with like tickets to a haunted amusement attraction i like you never i, get... I like the scene where they harass the thirty thousand dollar monkey experiment <laughs> yeah <laughs> what the hell has that guy been doing with thirty thousand dollars for the last year <laughs> building this robot monkey <laughs> I mean, it's almost like showbiz pizza there for a minute, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted I wanted to get a good shot of that dude's jacket on the on the back of his jacket, the leader of the group, because it says Satan's something. But I never could see what it says at the bottom. I always wondered what that is because it, you never get a good shot of it. By the way, the leader of that gang, Johnny, was in uh, Jekyll and Hyde together again. Again, he's the guy that gives up his his testicle. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I thought he looked familiar. 
Uh, he's he's been in several, you know, late seventies, early eighties stuff. Uh, we meet Sam and Melissa, which is like we said earlier, the possibly the only decent actors in the whole thing. Well, Sam, how far can you go? He just plays a robot the whole time. Uh, but I love that they're getting off a, a roller coaster together, and Melissa goes, "Do you have to go to work now?" And he goes, "There's something I don't understand." It's like. Are y'all having the same conversation? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Sam's feeling that there's something odd going on, so he goes snooping around in Devereaux's workshop. Now Devereaux, he's the Phantom of the Park, and uh, so we can soup up amusement park rides. <laughs> well, I like when he's I like when he's um, the 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 guy who runs the park. He like he basically lets Devereaux, you know, go. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, it's so sad to watch Abner walk away. I wonder if Oliver Stone, you know, uh, got got the idea for Nixon's Walk of Shame from this film. <laughs> was that that was after he souped up like the what was that ride like the Crazy Dance or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah like the big octopus looking thing. It spins around and he he hooks up that like special generator to it or something and it makes it go like four times the speed <laughs> well and i and i love all the adr that's coming off of it people are like oh my god we're gonna die <laughs> <laughs> they just sped the film up right yeah <laughs> oh and i just i love the whole Devereaux thing because he's like hey who took who took down the walrus display and put up this hideous thing of this rock band he was like the walrus display that's what you're worried about <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you think about it, and you think about like that monkey costing thirty thousand dollars, and you're like, man, they they just must have disposable income. They they're handing this dude. Well, because... that's a, and that's I think that's the breaking point because he's saying he don't have enough. I'm like, dude, look at the stuff you've done. You built all these rides. You're building your your monkey and stuff, and you're still not got enough money. You know, and the 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 guys running the parks are giving him a hard time because. Hey man, you know you're you're not doing any PM on these on this equipment. You're just letting it break down. <laughs> well, doesn't he like in the beginning of the movie? Doesn't he see the Kiss banner flying overhead? And he's like, "How much did that cost?" Like, right. He's, he's angry. The dude bought a banner. <laughs> oh well, yeah, <laughs> that didn't cost thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean, that's while this is going on, you got Sam, which is our young guy that's, that's snooping around in Devereaux's shop, and. You got these cool 1970s space doors that just kind of whoosh, and they raise <laughs> like Star Trek type doors. And he goes into one and you don't know what happens to him. It closes and it's like you hear him scream and that's it, which doesn't make a lick of sense because Devereaux's not in there. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what happens there. I don't guess it really matters. Uh, Devereaux, with the kindness of his heart because they're up there humping on his monkey, <laughs> gives the biker group some free tickets to go to the Chamber of Thrills. And uh, <laughs> this Chamber of Thrills, man, here's the thing. All these robotics that are in the movie are just mimes. <laughs> They're just people that are trying to act like robots, you know? So that that's your budget in this, in this movie. You don't have, like, any real robots. It's just dudes walking like shields in Yarnell. 
Yeah, they needed uh, they needed a little bit of Yul Brenner to kind of spice spice things up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the that... ones the ones in the scary like the the spook house they're they're a little a little bit more convincing than yeah. the ones later. <laughs> well, they got the cover of darkness to help them out a right. little bit there, dude. Oh, yeah. about, it is so dark too. I mean, and that's that's something that on that the other version that I sent. So I messed up when we were prepping for this show, and I sent them the Australian version of this movie, and. <laughs> It's called it's called the Attack of the Phantoms, <laughs> and it's nothing but wallabies and. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, I like uh, how you were mentioning. I like how you were mentioning Rick. How um, he, it's Devereaux. He gives the 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 punks the tickets to the the uh, the haunted attraction, and he's like, and they, and one of the guys is like, maybe we will, maybe we won't. Why can't you get with the twentieth century? And I'm like, what? <laughs> Well, I mean, Hanna Barbera. That's the way they think that a motorcycle gang would react. So, <laughs> there you go. Well, well nineteen seventy-eight, they might have. What does the girl say every time too? She's like, she's like, this won't happen unless we mean for it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So at this point, we haven't really gotten to where they get to the, the to the thrill the chamber of thrills just yet because <clears throat> Melissa's going around looking for Sam because now he's missing. Dude's been gone for like fifteen minutes and now he's already on the missing persons <laughs> list. In a in a park that he works in. So even as a kid I would go, Well, if he works here, how do you know he's missing? Yeah, so. it's like they called in the cavalry like 15 minutes after he's gone. And like Amy Lynn Bradley didn't even get that much time. They took her like two two or three days to report her missing. This, guy, this guy's <laughs> probably on his lunch break and they reported missing. It's crazy. But this is, <laughs> this is where you get to start seeing people acting like robots because she shows up at Devereaux's workshop. He's in there and he walks around and starts showing her some of the androids that are just, you know, dudes dressed up in these outfits. And that's where you get the barbershop quartet singing. And when they walk past the table, it's obviously a dude's head sticking up through the table. That's part of the quartet. And they sing a little piece of a song. Then they go back to it. And I don't know that you could pick a more fake-looking head than the one that he picks up that's supposed to be the same head. (laughs) I mean, it looks absolutely terrible. And I'm like, you're supposed to buy that that's the same head? I mean, it's not even the same shape. (laughs) Uh, but they're trying to give you that illusion of you know they're not real they're all robotic and yeah sure they are it's like did did no one have like any kind of like safety procedures for any of this i mean they just let this guy run hog wild like creating these killer robots in there and and no one's like bats an eye at it until he's like let go or whatever (laughs) yeah and and that's the thing you don't know if the guy that's the, the financial you know guy of the of the park the one that fires him, if he knows that he's been doing other stuff, or if he just realizes he has been doing what he's supposed to be doing, and that's why he has to let him go. But, uh, oh yeah, uh, at this point, that's where Chopper and his bunch go to the House of Thrills. (laughs) How about when they first get in there, and there's the family in there with the kid that's got the balloon. He's smoking. Chopper pops the balloon, the guy's like, hey, you can't smoke in here. And Chopper goes, I'll smoke you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> this movie just got really hardcore. <laughs> I didn't 
know where that was going. You might want to get the kids out of there real fast. Yeah, and he's a two-pack a day, or you better run, kid. <laughs> uh, but anyways, what happens is, you know, you got the mummy, you got Dracula, Frankenstein, all these characters down here, and, you know, big, typical what you would think of like a house of wax kind of thing or whatever. And uh, they all get captured and pulled through a air duct somehow. <laughs> It's like one of those bank suction things <laughs> that well, you send your money to the teller. <laughs> exactly. Well, think of in Star Wars, hint, hint, you know, those, those, that tube would come down from the Jawas, you know, trailer or whatever that thing was they were riding in, and it would, and it sucked, sucked the characters back up into it. It's kind of what happens here, except we get to see them float through the tubes going. Well, and then it's cool, too, because, like, part of it is them, like, coming toward the camera, and then the other, other half is them going backwards through the tube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. And then it uh, it cuts away to uh, Devereaux getting fired outside the kiss stage where they're doing a sound check. Even even though they don't have the speakers set up yet, you're hearing guys testing the speakers. <laughs> 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 oh. And uh, this is, <laughs> I love it because the guy goes, I got to let you go. And Devereaux gets up and he says, you will regret this day. And he starts walking away. But it's one of those walking aways where you think, well, if I walk slow enough, maybe he'll call me back. <laughs> maybe he'll call me back. Maybe, I mean, dude is just barely creeping off. And it's like the longest scene of him walking off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like the it's like the scene in Nixon where where Nixon is impeached and it's like this long like walk to the plane or into the limousine. <laughs> <laughs> this goes on forever. It's like and, all I needed was like some wah, 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 yeah. sad music playing over. Or yeah. They should have got like Kiss to like record some sort of sad music. Like they could have scored the film yeah. as well, other than their oh, songs. They play a they play a sad song later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But at, th- at this point, it's showtime. It's concert time. And this is where, I don't know if the warm-up band's playing or whatever, but the crowd's all going crazy, getting amped up. And it shows Devereaux sitting at his desk, which I have to admit, it's a pretty cool desk, man. <laughs> all those blinking lights and the, the three little TV screens up top where you can see everything. But dude has done snapped. I mean, he basically turns off the TV and says, I will destroy you! I'll destroy all of you! And you're like, now you're going to kill everybody that goes to the park? I mean, why? <laughs> well, well, I have a question. So so he's let go, but before he's let go, you hear earlier that it's pretty much, you know, common knowledge where his laboratory and everything is. Yep. And he just, like, goes back there and nobody goes and checks. <laughs> nobody yeah. escorts him out of the park or, you know, r- removes his, like, access to that secret facility or yeah nothing is revoked no one puts chains on the doors or no one sets a security guard out there to say hey this guy might come back he's been acting a little fruit loopy so just keep an eye out no it's it's business as usual (laughs) once he's gone (laughs) yeah yeah i mean so yeah he's just he's got his own place i guess maybe that was of his stipulations when they started building was i need my own place and no people allowed so who knows uh but yeah so he decides that he's going to destroy the park and all the people in the park. 
and Kiss, because I guess he hates Kiss, but he's going to use Kiss as his instrument to destroy the people and destroy the park, which makes total sense, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Speaking of Kiss, the show starts, and Kiss comes flying in on the stage from outer space. (laughs) I I still don't understand that one. We're not making this up, by the way. No. No. I mean, uh, Ace just comes out of nowhere and shoots some lasers out of his fingers, and Peter Chris appears in space, and Paul Stanley shoots a laser out of his eye and walks down the laser onto the stage. It sounds much cooler than it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Gene breathes, uh, breathes cartoon fire all the time. So, and growls like a lion. And growls like a lion. <laughs> and, and not just a lion, a Hanna-Barbera lion. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it is stock sound effects in this one, folks. <laughs> they could have done like a Who, Who Framed Roger Rabbit type thing and got all the Hanna-Barbera cartoon characters in there. Like you could have Gene Simmons like on stage breathing fire and Huckleberry Hounds like, watch out. <laughs> That would have been so awesome. Snagglepuss. <laughs> Exit stage yeah. left, Ethan. <laughs> you know, all these sound like better ideas than what we get. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, the show starts. They get on stage. They sing Shout It Out Loud. And I have to admit, as a kid, the stage performances were really the best stage performance things we ever got to see because, you know, you didn't have MTV. You didn't see them on TV ever as far as live performance. If you did, it was like Midnight Special or something, something you were not allowed to stay up and watch because it was past your bedtime. So this is the first time that most kids got to see Kiss on stage of, of any kind. So that part was kind of a big deal. It's just when they get off the stage. <laughs> it's when the problem starts. <laughs> let me let me ask you a question, man. I don't know a lot about Kiss. <clears throat> you know, I, I know a lot about music and stuff, but surprisingly, I don't know a lot about Kiss. Um, did you, did Gene Simmons always walk like he had something up his butt? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was part of the, the he, 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 he slithers around like, you know, Think of the dragon in Dragon Slayer when it, it had its legs bent and it was like walking down that, that corridor. That's kind of his thing. It was that, you're exactly like, right. That's that's what it's like. Like that posturing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because in the, I didn't know if that was like something for the movie or if that's something he like he did no. in general. No, that's, when they're on stage performing, that's kind of how they are. It's just, you know, trying to make that passable as, I don't know. Well, he walks thing. like he's—he walks like he's wearing extremely tight spandex pants, and he's already bow-legged. Yeah. So it's yeah. like he, he's crunched up there. That's probably very true. <laughs> and he's a very <laughs> tall dude too. So you take that and then let him hunker down. Of course, they all had trouble with the boots, right? I mean, Ace was infamous for falling on stage all the time, and the dude couldn't walk in normal shoes. You put him in those things, and they said they'd look <laughs> around. He'd be on the ground all the time, you know. Laughing at himself. <laughs> oh. Let's see. Where are we at? Kiss performing on stage. And then it cuts back to Devereaux again. And this is where you find out the Chopper and his gang are now androids that he uses in the show. Dresses them up like, I don't know, from early American history kind of looking, you know, stuff. 1776 looking stuff. 
And uh, so now you're kind of putting the pieces together of, wow, he's not making robots. Well, not literally making robots. He's turning people into robots. Dum, dum, dum. (laughs) (laughs) And then kiss. Yeah, colonial robots. Colonial robots. There you go. That's the word I was looking for. (laughs) Yeah, I think that I think that band used to open for Kiss. <laughs> Colonial, yeah, the Colonial Robots. Robots. Yeah, it's actually it's not a, a bad, bad name. name. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad at all. Uh, and this is where the mighty starts falling, <laughs> falling. This, this is where Sam starts taking pictures of them when they're coming off the back of the stage to get every angle as possible of their faces for Devereaux, even though. He only takes one shot, and they just show it twice. (laughs) (laughs) Get every angle. (laughs) He just takes one picture and then zooms in a little closer on the same picture. (laughs) It's like you'd have Gene Simmons, like, the front of his face, but then when you make the android, like, for the side of his face, he'd just have to, like, do a lot of guesswork. Yeah, right. Well, that's funny because later on when he's building them, he's got all these other photos. You're like, okay, where'd you get those at? Because those are definitely not pictures that Sam took. (laughs) Uh, But what happens is Melissa sees Sam back there because he's been missing for 45 minutes. And she's trying to to get his attention. And Sneed, the a-hole that he will, and he is, he won't let her by. And that's, (laughs) that's when Gene goes... Star child, but he's got this sound effect on his voice that is worse than Doctor Doom in the Corman version. (laughs) 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 And Paul shoots a laser out of his eye, and it makes everybody freeze except the girl, and she walks up closer, and yeah, we start getting conversation that we didn't need. I'm not the um, I'm not the biggest like I don't know a whole lot about Ke- I mean I know some but which one uh, has the star over his face? That's Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice? I mean, probably getting ahead of here a little bit, but there's I, there, I remember one scene where he's got he's got like the star cam vision and like yeah. everything's in like this sepia color except for the edge of the star it's in black and white. Yeah. <laughs> so I was wondering about that. Well, he can use it for multiple things, right? It can be a laser that's destructive, like a Star Wars blaster. Or he can use it to, you know, do the, you know, because they're, there's the same, they're talking all the way across the swimming pool, and he's able to just listen within that, that star, I guess, and hear what they're saying. I don't know. Yeah, that, that, that's, like, that's yeah. the scene that he's talking about, because I'm, I, I kept thinking, I'm like, he's hearing with his eye. <laughs> like, yeah, man. <laughs> it's like he can do all this stuff with his eyes, but if you look, if you look at the camera view, it, it's obvious he's colorblind, poor guy. <laughs> Actually, he's, uh, He's only got one ear in real life. Seriously, he only has really? he only has one ear. Yeah. Paul Stanley only has one ear. Yeah. Uh that's always been, you know, it's something he never talked a whole lot about, but yeah, he's he's only had one ear his whole life. Uh just born without it. But the, uh that's that's crazy whole, too for like a musician, like you don't you never hear yeah. people, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, he's never heard stereo, you know. He never had that ability, but he said this. But he said if you think about it for like monitors, he kind of he had an advantage because you look at most singers they they used to hold one ear right so they could hear themselves. He said he could hear himself all the time. So 
Well, this probably explains why he's in this movie, because the person that asked him probably asked him in his bad ear. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it came down to dollar signs. That's the only explanation for this movie, because everybody was, was trying to make money off of this band at the time, because, again, they, they were the biggest thing on the planet. And, yeah, that's that's all this turned into. And uh, Anyways, we'll get back to the movie. Uh, they know that Melissa's looking for Sam. And I love the fact that he says, don't worry about it, Melissa. Sam's still in the park. Well, hell yeah, he is. He just walked by a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thanks for being uh, Captain Obvious there, Paul. <laughs> I like I like I like when they talk to her because they're very like prophetic. They're very like calm yeah, yeah. and just yeah. He's still in the park. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's trying to keep that mystique going. So let's let's break down Kiss for you the the, the real personalities. You got Gene, who is Gene Simmons. I mean, there's not a big difference between Gene without makeup as with makeup. He's bombastic. Uh, a stage hog. He loves what he does. Paul was the one that was always about the music. But he was always... To me, Paul was always the one in charge when it come down to it. He kind of kept the band going. So he was the real musician of the bunch. Ace was... He was living the rock and roll lifestyle. I mean, the best example is, you know, like Keith Richards slash... This, this is what Ace was. He was the rock and roll guy that hated all this goofy superhero crap. He just wanted to play a Les Paul and rock out. That's that's Ace. And then Pete thought he was the star of the band. <laughs> the drummer always thought he was the star and uh, pretty much resented everybody else in the band because of it. <laughs> Dude, I mean, don't, don't, don't let him paint your face like a kitty cat and, and expect to be the star, man. <laughs> Uh, well, and that's all the persona thing, right? I mean, they that's, you know, Paul's always said, he said, you can't claim somebody to be a genius when they fall into a, a stream of gold. He said, it's just one of those things that just happened because they were tired as fans growing up and paying money to go see, you know, Led Zeppelin, all these bands that would get on stage and be totally wasted and not get your money's worth. And they were a reaction to that. They wanted to be larger than life and put on a great show. So that's kind of the, where the whole persona and all that stuff came from. And they just kind of dabbled into their own personalities and come up with some crap. That's the explanation. I'm not I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's what's been said. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. That's I that that's more than I knew about about Kiss. Yeah. But I mean, I've made I've I've seen them 39 times in concert. I'm a big fan. Uh but and nobody, I don't care who it is, nobody puts on a show like they do. And that's just that's just a fact. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's why they were such a big deal. Because, one, you have to remember at this time, too, that the whole mystique behind them, they were never photographed without their makeup in the 70s. Nobody knew who they were without their makeup. It's That's kind of the mystique about it, right? Which also led to all the devil worship and stuff. I mean, you knew Alice Cooper if he had the makeup on or not. These guys could take the makeup off and walk down the street and nobody would even bother them because nobody knew who they were. Yeah, Lindsay Lohan's the so, same way. <laughs> uh, didn't I see you in the Love Bug movies? Nope, wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> so 
it, it all play, plays to this mystique, and that's the reason them being superheroes and stuff, because they're doing the same thing. I mean, look at Clark Kent taking off his glasses, and then you know who he is, and puts them on you don't know. It's like, come on. It's the same dude with glasses, right? So, that's kind of the, the, the mystique behind the band. That's the reason they got the whole devil-worshipping thing and all the stuff, because they wouldn't be photographed without it, which caused the controversy and made them even bigger. Uh, oh, man, my mom... Came in my room holding up one of my Kiss records and was like, "You're not listening. This is the devil's music." I mean, I lived through all that. It's real. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, preachers were preaching against Kiss because they were the devil, you know. Oh yeah, I was. I was. Yeah, I mean, all those like Twisted Sister, Kiss, yeah. uh, all those bands from the late '70s, early '80s that got into the whole glam thing. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't take a step, you know. It, in one in either direction without someone standing there saying, Oh, you shouldn't listen to that. It's the devil's music. Right, yeah. You well, know, that was everywhere. That was heavy metal in general, but you got to remember, this is before all that. I mean, mm. this is, I mean, this is legit where people specifically called out kiss by themselves because of the spitting of the fire, the spitting of blood. The, the, yeah. The, and I, I, I can't remember that someone came up with an acronym for kiss. It was like uh nights and, and something. Service. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Yep, nice and Satan service. I mean, that's I've heard that many a time. Uh, matter of fact, that happened at a church when I was a kid that we grew up going to, and and a lot of the kids that were you know teenage kids got up and walked out when all that was going on because it's like I'm not sitting here listening to this because that's bullcrap. So yeah. Anyways, that's a whole different story, right? But it just builds up to why. This was such a big deal, and it's such a shame that it was such a letdown. <laughs> because, you know, again, there was nobody any bigger than these guys at this point. I mean, every they were crapping platinum at this point. I mean, it didn't matter what it was. It had to hurt. Yeah. I mean, Is this the only movie they ever did? Yes, thank goodness. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So, let's get past all this stuff, get back to the movie where... Our security guards are wandering down an alleyway in the amusement park because, you know, that's where you look for bad guys in an amusement park when it's shut down. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they get attacked by Gene Simmons. And it sounds like, in the background, Super Tramp's trying to play a disco song. (laughs) And and this music's playing while Gene's, like, throwing cops around and breathing fake cartoon fire and roaring like a lion and smashing a... Uh, concession stand, <laughs> dude. Like that concession stand scene. Like there was, there was legitimately no reason for him to bust that up. <laughs> well, again, they were trying to, but he busted through a cement block wall when he first got there. It's like, does that not show that he's strong enough as is? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny though because yeah, he's busting through this stuff, but then when he. You expect when he throws these security guys for like them to break stuff, but they're just lightly landing on like like little pavilion ledges oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and you get your six million dollar man kind of sound effects when he's throwing them around, like Shh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, I didn't get any sound bites for this, one, and I probably should have because I- I'm telling you, man, it- it's as it's a seventy Saturday morning cartoon sounding as you can get, man. This this sounds like. It's it's like you're watching a movie with Kiss in it, but your volume is actually turned on to a cartoon from Jabberjaw or something. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and you 
yeah, you could almost like play this to children too, because there's not a lot of foul language in this movie or vile. Like, right. you know, it, the violence is cartoonish, and uh, you know, there's no, no there's no real foul language. You know, other than like you might hear like hell or damn or something, but that's uh, that's about as risque as it gets. That, I don't. I, I think there's one bad word in the if you want to call it a bad word, in the whole movie, and that's exactly why you're exactly right, Joseph, because. Your audience at this point, they knew who they were after. This was made for eight years old up to about 15 years old. This was the the target audience for this movie. And it should have just been a Saturday morning show instead of a prime network TV presentation. (laughs) Can you imagine tuning into this every Saturday in the 80s or late 70s and early 80s? Man, I would have done it. I it swear I would have. It would have fit right in with Electric Woman and Dinah Girl or uh, Wild Boy and Bigfoot. I mean, there was all these shows <laughs> that this this would have been just like. I mean, it felt like a Sid and Marty Croft Saturday morning show. That's a good point. I've never really thought about that. But this could have been a Saturday morning show that came right on after the, the Bay City Rollers Power Hour. <laughs> <laughs> was that really a thing? Yeah, they had I don't own, think it was. Bay City Rollers had their own show. Yeah, it was a Sid and Marty Croft show. I did not know that, man. Okay, I, I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah, they came to wow. a screeching halt when they got on a fight on the set. <laughs> <laughs> you talking about some dudes that threw somebody, down some, now. Somebody Those guys. misspelled Saturday. <laughs> Start beating the hell out of each other. Oh, man. I mean, there's... I mean, literally. They said that there would be shows... You remember the movie uh, Fear, Fear of a Black Hat? And they get in a fight right before they raise the lights on the stage, and they're all rolling around the floor beating each other up. That literally happened with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, yeah. Anyways, Bay City Rollers. Totally different story. Uh, let's get back to this. Oh, this is the next day when the cops show up at Kiss's house because, you know, Kiss all live together. <laughs> and they're sure. all in robes. <laughs> Yeah, they're all in this these. It's almost starting to sound like Miami Connection. They all share an apartment together. <laughs> we are all Gene's orphans. Waiting, Gene's waiting for a letter from his his, oh his my missing God! father. My father, my father. <laughs> they're sing- if kids were singing songs about friendship in this and like like getting into shenanigans on the beach, man, you would improve this movie so much. Yeah, I, at least a seat or two. I thought we were all orphans, and he goes. Uh, but the cops show up to arrest Gene, but the the other three are sitting up in these real like lifeguard chairs <laughs> around this Olympic sized pool that's in the backyard. And the robes, because you know it's it's the middle of summer and you got to wear robes over your head and everything, because you know that's cool. But uh, yeah, Gene's not there, and they're there to bust him because you know he attacked the cops. And they're all saying, there's no way, it wouldn't heal. What is, what is, and that's where you get a bunch uh, of... the drummers say about his brother? <laughs> Gene's brother was an only child. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when Paul goes, easy, cat man. They are serious. <laughs> yeah, how's his brother an only child? That's one of the questions I, I was going to ask. He was messing with the cops. Yeah. 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 Okay. He was, just, he was just cracking the joke. Uh, yeah. You get a whole bunch of nonsense here that is... Kind of comical, again, if you know the characters, but this is just bad writing all the way around and bad acting. Um, it cuts away to Melissa showing up at Devereaux's place again and saying, hey, I'm still looking for Sam. He's like, I tell you what, take this pass 
And this will let you in everywhere in the park. But we don't know that that pass, she's been bugged. So now he's keeping tracks on her. And almost like he knows the future. He can tell that she's going to go hang out with Kiss. I don't know. <laughs> but she's got a bug. Well, they were her. the biggest thing on the planet at the time. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, it goes back to the pool again. And, and uh, Ace goes, Ack! Again. And uh, <laughs> that's when... And that's when Gene shows up, and Gene growls at the police officers and uh, gets up in his chair. And that's when the cops go out and have the private conversation that Paul can hear through his eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the cops decide, okay, we're going to let it go because you guys got these other shows you got to finish up. Then after that, we'll bust him. And uh, so they already know that something's going on. Cops leave. Uh Melissa shows up, and Gene growls again. <laughs> and that's when they say, it must be Gene's feeding time. <laughs> I was like, no, that's what he does when any girl walks by. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the thing, man. This we cut away to inside the house. And every Kiss fan out there right now I know is getting excited because the one thing you always wanted as a Kiss fan was these talisman, right? So supposedly there's a box of these talisman that have the supernatural powers that Kiss all have. So somehow they've been knighted <laughs> with these talismen, and that's what gives each one of them their superpowers and also their ability to play and music. And it glows, it glows like this, the briefcase from Pulp Fiction. Absolutely. I'm saying Tarantino ripped us off, Oh, yeah. Man. So that's... You find out all along in Pulp Fiction, they had the talisman from the Kiss Meets the Phantom in it. Dude, if there was a director's cut that existed where that was the case, man, <laughs> Marcellus Wallace is you know, like obsessed with this Kiss merch. Dude. He'd be like, I'm going to get medieval on your ass, Gene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound Mar Marcellus Wallace made when he was uh, in that pawn shop, by the way. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah uh, they're giving the story to Melissa which I think is so stupid I mean it's so will know but they're saying oh yeah we're going to tell you this girl that we hardly know all of our secrets <laughs> <laughs> about how we're superheroes right here it's like Superman saying oh by the way uh, uh, Lois uh, Kryptonite will kill me <laughs> And I'm also that dude you work with all the time. I mean, it's the same equivalent. But uh, this is where it, it cuts back to, to Devereaux, and he's building a robot Gene Simmons. So that's the robot that was tearing up all the stuff. So we're finding out that, you know, yada, yada, there's a robot Gene Simmons. So uh, then it's time for Kiss's second show, because it's really the only thing worth watching in this movie. <laughs> Uh, and then it cuts away from that, back to the kisses house. The kisses. <laughs> it goes back to the kisses. It goes Where back to the kisses. The kisses. Dude, could you imagine like a, a Leave now, It to Beaver style show called the kisses? But it's just the it's just kiss. <laughs> hey, hey, what's funny is I mean I've got a video where I think they were playing on Fridays. You guys remember Fridays at all? 
Yeah, I remember it. Fridays was like ABC's answer to Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Kiss were playing on there, and they were asking this guy in the crowd, uh, so so what do you think about Kiss? Oh, I love the Kisses. <laughs> <laughs> so it's literally something that an older person would have said in the 70s about Kiss. Oh, I, I love the Kisses. They're good. I, I like them a lot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Anyways, back at the house, they're sitting around the pool so Pete can sing an acoustic version of Beth 20 times in a row. <laughs> it does go on <laughs> for a while. It just keeps going. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, but they do something kind of cool because while they're out here hanging out by the pool, uh, Paul's playing the, the acoustic and Pete's doing the singing, and Sam breaks into Kiss's house to get the talisman because when she had the bug on earlier, he held the, heard the whole story about the talisman. So you send Sam in there, and Sam goes to touch the talisman, and it shocks him. <laughs> and Paul can no longer play the guitar. <laughs> now, is Sam still uh, is Sam still considered missing at this point? Of course, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so this is where she runs into him. It kind of, yeah, it kind of makes Paul's fingers kind of mess up a little bit, and they're all looking at each other. And Paul's like, "Yeah, that was weird." <laughs> And it goes back to playing like nothing ever happened. And then Melissa's walking around and she sees Sam walking out of the house. I'm like, it's amazing she sees him just walking away all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But she walks up to him and touches him and finds out he's a robot. Not really. I mean, he's still Sam. He just, he's walking like a robot. Walk like a robot. Well, this is where she lets out that (laughs) scream too, that like, that that like yeah. shriek of the wicked yeah so they all <laughs> sound like a banshee yeah it's <laughs> screaming like banshee <laughs> uh, so they all run to rescue her and see what's happened and she says it was sam he was here but it wasn't real <laughs> and they all go back in there and they stand around the talisman because they're left on a table with the lid open on it if somebody gets to these we'll be in trouble it's like you think? <laughs> and I love that he goes, Sam, the talisman, it all leads to the park. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> oh, I mean, what else have you guys been doing for the last, I don't know, however long this time movie's been going on? Playing at the park. <laughs> Well, earlier in the film, like uh, it may have been, uh, I think it was the financier. He was like, uh, you know, he's talking about Kiss playing at this park is going to put this park on the map. I'm like, dude, you people could easily put this on this park on the map without Kiss. I mean, this this place is like this place is like crazy town for everybody. Yeah, just have some good rides and some some. Well, I just had a really bad flashback workers. when you said crazy town. Now I'm thinking about butterflies. Wow. Yeah, I was oh. like the same thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, so they decide they're going to go to the park when it shut down and snoop around, because that's what you do when you're a rock band with superhero powers. So they sneak in, and they go to the big giant roller coaster, and they fight <laughs> space werewolves. <laughs> that's right. Space Is werewolves that, what those are? that crawl around and make yeah, they're supposed to be werewolves, but they're, like, in space outfits. But they make sounds like gorillas and monkeys. 
<laughs> yeah, because this movie couldn't be as you know it couldn't be crazy enough. They had to introduce this. Yeah, and they, this they climb uh, roller coasters like lemurs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which also I have to admit, this was a big thing too because there was a Spider-Man TV series around this point, and the big talk about it was how they were doing the 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 climbing scenes, and it was literally, you know. A guy being held by a wire, they would reel up the wire, and he would act like he's crawling up the building. It was the new tech of the time. And you see this used with these guys quite a bit on here. So, strangely enough, that's probably the the new high tech that they had in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, yeah, they uh, all the space werewolves jump down on the ground after they play some uh, Scooby-Doo music. And uh, we get a, a big fight. <laughs> And the music during the fight sounds like, I don't know, Streets of San Francisco or something. I mean, it's just, (laughs) it just doesn't work at all. But you got Ace and Pete. That brings a flashback to me, Streets of San Francisco. Yeah, man. You got Ace doing somersaults and shooting werewolves with lasers. You got Pete. Pete's like a street fighter, right? He's got this cat agility. He can jump and latch on to people and throw them on the ground and punch them and you see them punching like little sparks will fly up because, you know, they're robots. Uh, you got Gene. I don't know. Gene just being Gene. I don't know that he does anything any different. <laughs> but how about that scene where Paul knocks the head off of one of them? And he makes a face at the camera and you're like, what is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> that's when they, yeah, that's when they finally realize that they're not, they're not fighting people. Yeah. And he knocks the werewolf's head off and you can obviously see all the, 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 the circuitry that's going on in them. So when they stop, they pull up on the heads, and one of them says, it just seems so unreal. And they go, absolutely. And they flip one of the heads over, and it's all unreal, or something to that degree. So they're finding out that they're fighting robots. Big shock there, yeah. right? Again, think about your your age crowd for this, right? Again, like I said, this is your, you know, Eight-year-olds up to 13, 14-year-old kids. That's that's what this was shooting for. So you have to over-explain stuff, I guess. I don't know. It don't matter, though, because they whip all the werewolves and they go fight a bunch of samurai in an amphitheater because that's where samurai <laughs> I, I, well, that's, that's That's the obvious next move in the well, plot. I, I legitimately, <laughs> when, that, when they, they went into that theater, I was like, I did not expect this. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a game of death, right? With Bruce Lee, where he goes up the different levels of the building, and he fights a different bad guy on each level. <laughs> so yeah, this is this is the second level, and you fight a bunch of robot samurai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they uh, they get all cornered up, surrounded by the samurai, and Ace does this little thing where he points his thumb to the side, and they all just disappear. Right, so Ace has got the power to to make you jump from one place to another. So he's got that kind of power, even though it only comes in handy once in this whole movie. <laughs> <clears throat> At this point, uh, this is where they go into the Chamber of Thrills. I don't know why. It's 
it seems like everybody's going into the chamber of thrills in this yeah. movie at one point. Yeah. And I think you have to because right, we've already developed that uh oh, this is where Chopper and his gang got, you know, beat up or whatever, so you're you're keeping it familiar with everybody. They go in there and the same time that they're fighting everybody in there, you get Sam going back to Kiss's place with a ray gun. <laughs> I like how Devereaux goes, use this on it. And he shoots across the room like blows a big hole in the wall. <laughs> it's like, you could have just said, hey, don't point this at anything except the talisman because it'll really mess some crap up. <laughs> and I love that the laser beam coming out of it is like a, a, a wave, <laughs> a waveform, right? It's not even a straight laser. Yeah, it's like it's like he, somebody played Metroid and got the wave beam right. nice powered up. <laughs> so while Kiss is fighting in here, fighting, I mean, come on, man, this is every kid's dream at this point. Kiss fighting the werewolf and Dracula and the mummy and Frankenstein, and they ask Ace to get him out of there again, and he does it, and they just pop up in another part of the room because he's been zapped. So the the, the whole time they're fighting, Sam is you know, giving them the juice on their talisman. Well, that can mean something totally different. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. uh, then Kiss gets pulled up in the, the, the great vacuum cleaner. And now they are in a laser light prison or cell that Devereaux's built to keep them locked up because he's about to unleash his plan and that's to take robot Kiss put them out on the stage, and use music to drive the fans crazy and make them tear down the park or each other. So this is pretty much the plot of any rock and roll horror movie that we've covered on this show. <laughs> to drive the, drive the fans <laughs> completely insane. <laughs> yes. So uh, all, they, all they really need to do is show them this movie after it was over. Oh, I miss John Micklethor. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Man, that would have been awesome. <laughs> oh, So, Fake Kiss gets on the stage, and they took the music from Hotter Than Hell and changed the lyrics to Rip and Destroy, thinking that that's going to make fans go, Let's tear this place down! Because that's the power of satanic music in the 70s. But uh, while the band is getting all upset and Robot Kiss is up there playing the same song 45 minutes straight, <laughs> that's when uh, Kiss, the original Kiss, figure out, so that's it. <laughs> he was just going to use the, you know, use the fake us to, to, yeah, okay, we got it, Paul, we got it. But this is when they decide that, for some reason, Devereaux just leaves the talisman laying over there on his desk. In the same room with them. And they all combine their superpowers and make the talisman float over to them between the bars. Wonder Kiss powers activate. Right. Which is which is kind of cool, but it still didn't explain how they get out of the lasers. <laughs> <laughs> so what? You got the talisman. They're just as powerful across the room as they are in your hands. So what? <laughs> You proved you can levitate some stuff. I don't get where this is going. But somehow, they get out, and they come flying in from space again. I mean, this is what I don't understand. You're already in the park. <laughs> Go back to space. 
All you had to do was all you had to do was walk out of Devereaux's door, walk up to the stage. <laughs> but no, we're gonna launch ourselves back into space to do our grand entrance back on the stage again. <laughs> There's something to be said about making a great entrance. <laughs> yes. So they, they. I made a fine exit after this movie went off. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> so you get fake kiss and real kiss fighting it out on stage and you kind of see all their powers come into play here because the robot Paul Stanley shoots a laser out of his eye and Paul Stanley flips over his cheap Gibson I don't even know what Gibson it is it's the Marauder I think was the name of it that had a <laughs> had a mirror back on it so he shoots the laser up back into fake Paul Stanley's head and it blows him up <laughs> And then the other three robots get beat up, and they get together, and Ace Freely just shoots them with some stuff, and they all just disappear. And I'm like, why didn't you guys, when you were in those bars, and you saw Devereaux standing there, why didn't you just, just zap him, and you're done? <laughs> right? Maybe the bars are more powerful? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, Kiss wins, and they're, they're going to sing, you got it. Rock and roll all night. And then when the song ends, we cut back to Devereaux's desk. And Devereaux's sitting at his desk, but they won't show him. And they're all like, she's like, the girl's there. Melissa's like, you got to give Sam back to me. And he's like, I don't think he can hear you. Okay. So, they, they, <laughs> Sam's standing there. <laughs> and Paul just goes, pulls down his collar of his shirt. And sees a little transistor that's on his neck. And he just pulls the transistor off and then, you know, sounds fine. I'm like, but Paul just go, let's see. If I was going to make a robot person, I'd have a transistor right there on their neck. <laughs> you got, It's got to be where Paul can see it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, just, where a, anyone can it's see just a it. hunch, right? I mean, yeah. It could have been on his waistline. It could have been anywhere, but I just it's pulled on back. his third knuckle. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so Sam comes back to being human, and him and Melissa are happy. And then they turn around, Devereaux on his chair, and he's aged. What? Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't know. <laughs> it's like a like a it's like a, a Dracula story, like subplot they never said anything about. <laughs> <laughs> I think your uh, your why is an all encompassing question to this entire film, John. It's, it's very true. I mean, it, it doesn't make a lick of sense, but it didn't matter because right after that, they start playing "God of Thunder" live on stage, and uh, that's why the movie that's is the best part of the movie. By the way, <laughs> not is. just because it's ending, but because it's ending on a good song, and you don't have to hear par- "Party All Night" again. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Oh, so there you go, guys. There's the incredible, not so incredible, great memory of mine. Kiss meets the Phantom. I would have <laughs> loved to see an audience reaction to this movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, this was made for TV, right? I mean, so this was not supposed to be thrown shown in theater. No, I just, I just mean like, like when you said that they went to the premiere before it aired. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. Yeah, I've seen I've seen pictures of them like actually, you know, sitting there watching it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's this, what is it? Uh, Kiss Extreme Close-Up, I think is the name of the documentary. And Paul's, you know, that's, that's where he says that I was literally just trying to slither out of my chair and find a way to sneak <laughs> out of that theater. <laughs> they were probably hoping the, uh, the check would clear so they can, you know, go buy their new boats or whatever. Because <laughs> this, this film would worry you if they're going to pay oh, you or not. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the production yeah. rolling in the hand of barbaric the, the real the real story of this band so there's there's a level of kiss fandom right because when they started it was all black and silver uh hardcore kind of just just rock and roll no bells and whistles i mean they still had a good stage show but it was more adult and just like with everything great that happens they get popular yeah. Well, think about it in our time, right? There was a time where kids were having Rambo toys. Yeah. <laughs> you know? When you think about how ridiculous that is, that's how ridiculous this was. They got so big that it became a kid's thing. And they said that they would notice that by the time 77, 78 rolled around, they'd look out in the crowd and there was, you know, parents there with their kids. And that's the majority of their crowd there for a while. And they're like, man, we're doing something <laughs> wrong. It's the Freddy Krueger <laughs> you know? uh, phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird situation. They got so big and ended up, you know, of course, they said that it gets addictive, too, because once you get a taste of the, the pop life and just how much money and access come with that, you just want more of it and more of it, and you end up destroying everything, <clears throat> which is literally what they did. I mean, this is a a five-year period from when they started to, to being where they were at this point to where this is the year that they released Double Platinum, which obviously shipped double platinum and they released four solo albums. They all did solo albums a piece, yeah. you know, that's, that's how big they were. Just, there was kiss dolls, kiss pinball machine. I mean, kiss everything. And, yeah, and they're still, they're still really popular today. Like in 2021, it's like, if they can survive this, you know, that they can pretty much survive until they, you know, until they're, they can't play. That, anymore, that's a, that old. is a testament yeah. to their, to their brand. Well, but they also realized where it went wrong too. And of course, when you got you know Bill Bill Coin was a legendary you know uh, manager too, so he knew how to how to get money out of everything, and that was part of it too. I mean, that's what made them the machine that they were. I mean, they merchandised everything, and Gene kind of still carried that on, right? I mean, there's Kiss toilet paper and everything, <laughs> and uh, that's there funny. It is. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, it's called Kiss Me Some Phantom of the Park. <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> um, man. Uh, so, luckily, you know, around 82, they kind of got their senses back and made Creatures of the Night, which is their heaviest album they ever made. So, you know, well, I'll take that back. It's the, it's the heaviest album up until... Uh, Revenge, maybe? After Revenge. There was what was the album they did after that that was more of the alternative kind of album? Uh, uh, I can't Carna- remember the name Carna- of it. Carnival of Souls. Yeah. Did, did, yeah. Well, oh, Carnival of Souls. I was thinking Psycho Circus, but is that, is that something different? Uh, Psycho Circus was the reunion of the original four members, and only two of the original members really played on most of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh I hated that album, actually, because I knew it wasn't them, right? I mean, I, I could tell. It's like, that's not Pete playing drums. That's, you know, 
I don't know. It was it was fabricated, and they tried too hard. Instead of instead of getting four guys back together, putting them in a room, and letting them jam and come up with songs, they were trying to create songs that hit high points in all the decades you know that they were from. So they tried to give Pete another Beth kind of song. They gave Ace another Shockbeat kind of song. They did some songs where they sang two or three lines a piece in each song, which goes back to the earlier days. So they were, they were trying to hit all the tick marks and satisfy all the Kiss fans instead of just making a good Dude, Kiss Dude, you know what's funny? Uh, the, the last, I mean, I know it's not the same band or anything or type of music, but the last Offspring album they put out like 10 years ago was the same way. Like It was like every song was from a different album that they put out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's... I don't know, man. I think I think you can you can see through that stuff. So, you know, uh, this time frame, even though this this movie doesn't really reflect it, this around this time point's my probably my favorite Kiss time because this is Love Gun, Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over. That's just some of my favorite records that they did because they were, you know, uh, Destroyer was overproduced because it's Bob Ezrin, but it's their most popular album. Uh, but Rock and Roll Over is raw. Love Gun is raw. And from there, they just kind of lost it because they did the solo albums and then Dynasty came out, which had, you know, the disco song on it. So, you know, that's when it was starting to really fall disco apart. song? I was made for love. Oh, crap, you, yeah. You were made, you were made that's, for love. That's Kiss? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had no that's idea that was Kiss. kiss. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, their biggest hit. They charted the highest, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like the sounds like the theme song to the Kisses. <laughs> well, and here's another thing you got to remember too. I mean, this is this is why I, uh, I can go into the whole history of this band, but they were on Casablanca Records. So, beside Kiss is the one that kept the lights on for sure, but Casablanca was known as. Pretty much, you know how you got Motown for all the R&B stuff? Casablanca was disco. They were the biggest disco production company out there. I mean, they had Donna Summer, Village People, everybody at that time, Casablanca was disco. So I'm sure that because of the popularity of disco at the time, they probably nudged. I know uh, uh, Bogart, what was it, Neil Bogart, who owned Casablanca, probably nudged Kiss, hey, the stuff's hot. You guys need to jump on one of these. And uh, he would do that all the time. He'd tell them what kind of song they needed to have. That's how they got rock and roll all night. They didn't want to write that. They they, they were told to. Wow, that's, I mean, <laughs> good on whoever told them to, I guess. Because, I, I mean, that song plays on the local stations here every, you know, 20 minutes on a loop. Uh, I, hate I think it. that song played played during <laughs> this whole podcast, actually. Kiss is getting royalties from Short Bus. I can make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gene. At least, all right, guys. So, uh, so yeah. What 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 are yeah, some go uh, good lessons from a bad movie you guys took away from this? Uh, Kiss is the <laughs> devil, <laughs> and you can use Kiss music to make people turn on each other and kill each other and tear down amusement parks. I I'd say Paul Stanley his need to uh, give a lot of exposition coined nice. the phrase kiss position so that's i, I, t- I took that from that from, from this film oh least. man the, the only thing i got from this was that theme parks are run by morons <laughs> well that's kind of true actually so well i learned you're not supposed to piss off the security guards because 
Easy cat, man. <laughs> These guys are serious. Oh, man. <laughs> what about, uh, what were they thinking? Any of those moments <laughs> besides the entire movie? Gee, I don't know where to start on that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, just the, the whole concept of why they made this. I mean, it's obviously a money grab, just like Jaws 3 or Jaws 4, right? I mean, it's it's not needed. You shut your mouth about but, Jaws uh, 3D. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm guilty of liking it's that one too. It's got Mr. So. <laughs> Iron Eagle in it. <laughs> Absolutely. You can't handle the loo. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, this whole movie is just a big, what were they thinking? Because obviously whoever got the money off of this, Kiss was thinking we're going to make a big paycheck, but nobody thought about anything about this movie, really. Uh, for me, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering, yeah, I'm wondering if it broke, if it had any kind of profit at all. I don't think, oh, I yeah. think so. I had four profits. Their, well, their, I mean, their names are Kiss. I, I was telling Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, the biggest TV show at this time was Shogun with Richard Chamberlain. This thing was a miniseries that was on. This thing was breaking records left and right. And this came on the same night that Shogun came on, and nobody watched Shogun. Damn. <laughs> so this this thing did what it was supposed to do. Man, for me, it was uh, you know it was the uh, Illuminati all seeing, all hearing eye in this. <laughs> The all hearing eye was my yes. what were they thinking? And so as soon as yeah. he started seeing them in that in that sepia tone, and and you could hear the dialogue through his eyeball, <laughs> I was like, "What? Yeah, what the hell, it's <laughs> high tech." I think my what were they thinking is is like how many times do we need to hear that Kiss is the biggest group on the planet? And it's like <laughs> we know this, right? It's like. As you know, Kiss is playing here tonight, and they are the biggest uh, group on the planet. Five minutes later, Kiss is going to be here tomorrow, and they're the biggest group on the planet. Where's what were you thinking? Saying that a hundred thousand times. <laughs> what about upgrades? How would you upgrade this? Well, ironically enough, as far as what you can do for upgrades, that first version of the, the movie that I sent you pissed me off because they did cut a lot of the cheese out of it. Which made it a just a very dull, bad movie at that point. But they did change out some of the songs. And they put some songs from the solo albums on there. Uh, it's just the whole, the whole Hanna-Barbera thing really hurts it. With all the sound effects, the, the you know, Scooby-Doo sounding music in the background. I mean, you're just missing the zoinks like in there well, every once in a while, right? <laughs> <laughs> Space werewolves. <laughs> I'd say, um, in addition to all the Kiss songs that we hear through this movie, there's a lot of footage of uh, patrons on amusement park rides. I'd say we needed less of that and more Brian James. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. The, uh, like I said in the very beginning of this episode, um, I think, man, I think if they had had somebody like Vincent Price in the in the villain role. Because although the dude who played the villain in this has been in a lot of stuff, he just didn't have the charisma of what he... If they were going to go for that full-on Scooby-Doo feeling, they, they needed, like, a, um, yeah. you know, like... What is it? Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine Bombs. They needed that kind of thing going on. 
Yeah, it's like his. It's like the guy who played Abner. His like he had like no like you know mystique about him or any kind of like evil charisma. It's like his worst infraction is probably stealing like pens from the the park. To take oh, you know this movie life. needed more Sneed. <laughs> Sneed. Sneed. <laughs> so it comes. It's that time then. Uh, you, um, you guys gotta set this on the bus, and since Joseph is joining us. I think he should tell us where he sits. Sits this movie on the bus. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, I wouldn't put it in the back because I did laugh a lot, and um, you know I was entertained. I mean, it, it's a terrible film. I mean, it's one of the worst <laughs> I've ever seen, honestly. But I would, <laughs> I would put it not exactly in the middle. Maybe like before, like the the seat next to the last seat, maybe. <laughs> A same thing, man. I don't want to put it all the way in the back, uh, you know. And I, I do love this movie as bad as it is because, again, you're you're tied to it emotionally as a kid. But uh, yeah, yeah, that doesn't defend the fact that it's a terrible movie. So yeah, I no, say, I understand not you the saying last that because like next to like last. the Dark Power we just did. I mean, I I enjoy the hell out of that, but I know it's not good. Yeah. Um, I would I would sit this yeah second yeah. to last, like you guys said. Uh, it's because it's it, it's not something like Battlefield Earth or uh, or Death Nurse. It's not something that I'm just absolutely going to take a crap all over. <laughs> Man, if Battlefield Earth only had space werewolves, it might have had Death Nurse. Only, Death Nurse only had Gene Simmons in it. It might have improved <laughs> that one. <laughs> oh, awesome! Well, man, uh, Joseph, tell us. Tell everybody where they can find your show at. Hey, we're on uh, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, just search The Hysteria Continues on Google if you like slasher films. Uh, you can find us on several uh, Blu-ray releases from Vinegar Syndrome, Arrow, 88 Films. Uh, yeah, I mean, just type in the name and we're somewhere. Yeah. These guys know they're crap. Oh, too, yeah, man. man. And I mean like, crap. Like- <laughs> well when it comes to nathan it is, yeah. when it comes to nathan yeah it's there's crap. four guys on the show and like every single one of them has like just an infinite amount of of slasher knowledge so you know it's oh yeah yeah almost like i do with the Man, kiss i learned more right? about kiss in this podcast than than i've known my entire life dude I'm gonna I'm gonna send you both a link to a video, which is pretty much the nail in the coffin for the original lineup of Kiss, where they're on the the the, the Tom Snyder show on Halloween night, and you literally see it fall apart because Ace is he's messed up on something, and <laughs> it just goes downhill so fast. <laughs> you can see Gene and Paul getting so pissed. <laughs> oh yeah, so I gotta send y'all that and y'all check it out. It is it is. It is legendary. I mean, every Kiss fan just, you know, this is like one of those great things that you get to see because you literally see the, the band Dude, ripping well, I'm apart I'm going to also right check out that eyes. documentary you were talking about, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I can, interested. I can send I'm, you a I bunch am, of stuff. Because man. I didn't live through the height of, of, you know, Kiss Mania, so it's cool to kind of, like, brush up on that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... As you know, the the people that don't get it, they don't get it. I, I mean, that's fine. But you don't have Arena Rock. You don't have, you know, Slipknot, Marilyn Manson, all these other bands without 
this band. You really don't. I mean, they, they were the ones that really made it happen. And they took a little bit from Lou Reed. They took a little bit from Alice Cooper. David Bowie, in a way, from the fantastical kind of part. And it just exploded. And uh, the people think that was only about the theatrics is totally missing the point because there's some oh, good, yeah. solid rock. Like I said, like, I mean, I don't know a lot of their music, but God of Thunder has always been a pretty badass song. Oh yeah, yeah. I was a I was a toddler at the at the height of their popularity, but I did see them on the the Revenge tour, oh, and I had man. that album. I, I wore that album out like like it was nobody's business. But yeah. I've never been I've never been super crazy about Kiss, but I do concede that they are, you know, outside of their image, they're very talented musicians, and they put they you know they write great songs as well. So well, other than you know, Revenge was kind of like night. <laughs> Revenge was kind of like the return to the original feel of Kiss for all of us mm. diehard fans because it was. A little more raw, very tongue in cheek, but yeah, heavy as well. Heavy, yeah, and and yeah. That's, well, that's a great. Speaking album. of great writers, <laughs> no, it is. And, I love uh, it. Just all around greatness in uh, the entertainment industry. I would like to put it out there that our next episode of Short Bus is going to be a huge one. It's going to be a massive episode. I mean, just heavy hitter <laughs> all the way. And uh, you all, you guys have to stay tuned to see what that is, though. Yep. It's. Absolutely. <laughs> Joseph, man. Sounds very, mis- sounds very mysterious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Joseph, appreciate you coming on with us, man. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. Oh, yeah. We'll see you next episode, too, dude. That's right. Oh, yeah. No, right. no, this was fun. All right. Johnny, you got anything else? All right. Everybody, take it easy. We will see you later. Adios. Peace. Bye.